Welcome to About Scripture, a podcast designed to take the listener deeper into Scripture and biblical thought. I'm Ed Gallagher, Professor of Christian Scripture at Heritage Christian University. I hope to cover a variety of topics with you about Scripture. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Heritage Christian University, where we help students to thrive in ministry. To find out more, go to hcu.edu. We're also partnering with the Ministry League Network. They have free resources to help the local church all over the world. Download the app in the iOS or Play Store, or check out the website at ministryleague.com. And now, welcome to the podcast. Let's talk about terminology. The Hebrew word cherub or chruv, and the, the plural is cherubim or chruvim, appears 91 times in the Old Testament, mostly in reference to decorations rather than to actual spiritual beings. In Exodus, images of cherubim are constructed out of gold to be placed atop the Ark of the Covenant, and cherubim also decorated the tabernacle curtains. In 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, Solomon had a pair of enormous cherubim, 15 feet tall, constructed of wood and overlaid with gold to watch over the interior of the temple. And in Ezekiel, the cherubim on the ark carry God away from the defiled temple in Jerusalem. These same creatures had appeared to Ezekiel in Babylon, in Ezekiel chapter 1. Images of cherubim will also decorate the renewed temple, according to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 41, verse 18. Outside of these passages, the word cherub appears only a few scattered times, including once in the New Testament describing the Ark of the Covenant, Hebrews 9, verse 5. The term seraphim, the, the singular is seraph, is altogether different. It appears only seven times in the Bible. Three times in the Pentateuch, that's Numbers 21 and Deuteronomy 8 verse 15, and four times in Isaiah. That's it. Three times in the Pentateuch, four times in Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is the only place where it actually describes a spiritual being. Isaiah chapter 6, twice, and then Isaiah chapter 14, verse 29, and Isaiah chapter 30, verse 6. All right, so our word is seraph. It's a noun. Some sort of a creature is a seraph. There is a verb, saraph which means to burn. So, these creatures, if the noun is related to the verb, maybe they appear to be burning or glowing. The 5th or 6th century Greek writer known as Pseudo-Dionysius already recognized this connection. He wrote, those with a knowledge of Hebrew are aware of the fact 
that the holy name seraphim means fire makers, that is to say, carriers of warmth, he said. In the Bible, usually the term seraph, the noun, is associated with snakes. Numbers chapter 21, you remember that's the one where the, the snakes are biting the people and Moses has to construct this bronze snake for them to look at, a bronze seraph for them to look at. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.15, Isaiah 14.29, Isaiah 30 verse 6, all of these passages associates the seraph with a snake. Perhaps they look like, well, the ones in Isaiah, um, maybe they look like fiery snakes, or maybe the fiery aspect is in their bite. Some people have suggested that. In some cultures, snakes could be considered sacred, as the example of the Uraeus in Egypt demonstrates, even in Israel. Uh, this is from archaeology, not from the Bible. There's an 8th century seal that shows a sun disk flanked by two snake-like creatures that you could say are seraphim, maybe, or urei from Egypt. In only one passage in the Bible, though, does the word seraphim refer to heavenly creatures, as I've already said, that's Isaiah 6, where they are also described as having six wings and talking to each other about God's holiness. Now, what do they look like? Cherubim first. In the Bible, the most detailed description of cherubim is given in Ezekiel chapter 1. The prophet was in exile in Babylon, and there he saw God coming to visit him, riding on four living creatures. Ezekiel calls them living creatures in Ezekiel chapter 1. The word cherubim is not used in the chapter, but Ezekiel makes it clear later on in Ezekiel 10 verse 15 that the living creatures that he had seen in chapter 1 are cherubim. He calls them that. Each cherub had four faces, human, lion, bull, eagle. They each had four wings, one pair covering their body and the other pair flying. They had calf feet. All these details are in Ezekiel chapter 1. They glowed like fire. One major commentator on Exodus routinely calls these creatures griffins. You know what a griffin is? If you've seen Harry Potter, you probably do. Uh, which helps to convey some aspects of their description in scripture. That is to say, they're like combination creatures, like parts of this animal, parts of that animal stuck together. Archaeologists have found statues from antiquity that give us some sense of what Ezekiel saw. These statues of sphinx-like creatures seem to have functioned as guardians for temples. A particularly good example in a temple that has structural similarities to the Israelite temple commissioned by Solomon is the old Hittite temple near the Syrian town of Ain Dara. If you Google that, you'll find the temple, you'll see the images. Also, the book of Revelation describes similar 
living creatures, that's what they're called in Revelation, living creatures that surround God's throne in heaven. That's Ezekiel, uh, That's Revelation chapter 4. These living creatures are a little different from Ezekiel's. The ones in Revelation have only one face, but the four creatures have the same four faces as the ones in Ezekiel's vision. Lion, ox, human, eagle. Like Isaiah's seraphim, the living creatures in Revelation have six wings. But it doesn't say what they do with the wings other than fly. Now let's talk about the seraphim. What do they look like? As mentioned earlier, the only passage that talks about seraphim as heavenly creatures is Isaiah 6, where they are described only in terms of their six wings which they use not only to fly, but also to cover their eyes and feet. From other passages in the Bible, we can surmise, but this is just a guess, that the seraphim were snake-like creatures, perhaps glowing. It is interesting that the bronze seraph that Moses made in Numbers 21 had apparently found its way into the temple where it resided at the time Isaiah had his vision. If you want to check that, that's 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. You remember that they had started to worship this bronze snake and they put it in the temple. While some Israelites considered the seraph an object worthy of worship, as 2 Kings 18, verse 4 shows us, God shows in Isaiah that the seraphim are merely creatures ascribing glory to the one who sits on the throne. All right, and now their function. The cherubim and seraphim both seem to have a dual purpose for protection and for glorifying God. When the word cherub appears in the Bible, it is almost always a carving or some other type of decoration, for instance, on the Ark of the Covenant or on the curtains in the tabernacle. Really, only in Ezekiel and Genesis 3 verse 24 does the word cherub describe an actual living creature. Everywhere else, it's a man-made image of a cherub. In Genesis, the cherub is a guardian, keeping Adam and Eve out of Eden and away from the tree of life. As a tangent here for just a second. Here, I think it's especially fun and enlightening to imagine the cherub as a fat baby guarding Eden. It's a silly image along the lines of a giant marshmallow man attacking New York City. Y'all know that reference? Okay, yeah, some of you know. Ghostbusters, right? Uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It would make a good movie scene, but it doesn't work in the context of Genesis 3. We are not to imagine anything cute guarding the entrance to the garden, rather something quite fierce. Ezekiel 28 verse 14 uses the image of a guardian cherub as a metaphor for the prince of Tyre. That's Ezekiel 28 uh, verse 2 where it says that he's talking about the prince of Tyre. We'll have to come back to that Ezekiel passage later on in our study of angels, by the way. 
It is this guarding, protecting function that provides the reason for cherubim being used in temple decorations. They guarded the way to the deity. The enormous cherubim in Solomon's temple overlooked the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant had its own set of cherubim on top. The seraphim in Isaiah 6 were probably also intimidating to look upon, and thus served a guarding function. Moses met with God in the tabernacle, and God would speak to Moses from between the cherubim, Numbers 7, verse 89. God became known as the one who rode or was enthroned on the cherubim. There are a lot of examples of that terminology being used for God. One example, 1 Samuel 4, verse 4. An assumption of Ezekiel's vision in chapter 1 and again in chapters 9 through 11 is that God rides upon the cherubim on the ark. God has come to meet with Ezekiel in Babylon in chapter 1, and God is leaving the Jerusalem temple in chapters 9 through 11, in both cases riding upon the ark. The carved cherubim on the ark have come alive. Or perhaps Ezekiel has been privileged to see the actual heavenly throne of God with living cherubim represented in a physical way by the ark and its carvings. These cherubim and the seraphim provide an intimidating, awe-inspiring aspect to God's throne room. And they also do what every creature does in God's presence. They give him glory. This aspect of their function is especially apparent in Isaiah 6 verse 3 and in Revelation 4 verse 8, where the seraphim and the living creatures of Revelation sing similar songs in praise of God. The seraphim in Isaiah 6 do not protect God as if he needed their protection. Rather, they need their wings to cover themselves from head to feet, as one scholar has said, to cover themselves from head to feet from Yahweh's consuming holiness. In this way, the seraphim underscore the supreme holiness of the God on the throne. Thank you.